CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. This is CLNS Radio, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Another edition of the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post-game show. Joining you live, I am your host, Nick Sassento, soon to be joined by my man, James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin', as we discuss tonight's 109-101 to victory by the Boston Celtics over the Miami Heat at American Airlines Arena in Miami, Florida. Tough talking about basketball tonight, although we are going to troop through it. Hard to bury the lead. Everybody knows uh, tragedy struck the uh, not just the world of basketball, not just uh, the world of sports, uh, not just the world of entertainment, but the world in general with the passing of Kobe Bryant this past Sunday. Uh, we're going to touch on that briefly. I'm sure it will come up during the show, but if you'd like to get a deeper dive into uh, the life and impact of Kobe Bryant, I recommend to everybody to go into the CLNS Media post-game archives and listen to uh, the boss, Bobby Manning, and his crew, the Dome Theory, uh, break down all things Kobe Bryant uh, on Sundays, this past Sunday show, following the uh, Celtics-Pelicans game. That's right, this this past Sunday's show. So go into the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio and check that out if you'd like to hear the CLNS Media uh, Boston Celtics post-game tribute to Kobe Bryant, longtime nemesis, but all-time legend uh, in the world of basketball, the world of sports. I mean, I, I, I don't know of anybody, even Boston Celtics fans, even Boston Celtics fans like myself who didn't particularly like uh, Kobe Bryant when he was alive who didn't shoot a piece of paper into a trash can and shout Kobe as the uh, the ball of paper went into the uh, basket but you know Boston Celtics winning 109-101 tonight in Miami getting a much needed win on the road uh, this is kind of an interesting time for the Boston Celtics a time of streaks um, looking at their uh their record recently, they went through a tough streak, 
couple of tough streaks there, actually, dating back to the uh, beginning of the year. Go back to uh, December 31st through January 4th, there was three wins. Then January 6th through January 9th, three losses. Uh, two wins sandwiched in there on January 11th to January 13th. And then three more losses from January 15th to January 18th. That's a lot of games when you look at the, this uh, this schedule. And the Boston Celtics found themselves on a three-game winning streak after that. So you can see what I'm talking about, streaks. You know, three wins, three losses, two wins, three losses, three wins. And then a loss uh, in New Orleans, uh, a significant loss in New Orleans. First time the Boston Celtics have seen Zion Williamson. Uh, coming back tonight uh, on the last leg of their three-game road uh, stretch, facing the Miami Heat in Miami, and the Boston Celtics got out to a very hot start, uh, I believe leading 8-0 at one point. Um, before the Miami Heat finally scored a basket. Um, the Boston Celtics uh, down several plays tonight. Uh, Robert Williams, or Lob Williams, as I like to call him, the Time Lord, uh, still out as to be expected. I think he's expected to miss uh, some more time. I, I would hope that you know, he's there for the last leg, the last stretch of the season. But Jason Tatum also out missing his third game in a row with a right groin strain. Ennis Cantor also out missing, uh, I forgot which number game this is, but, you know, uh, Ennis Cantor out with a right hip contusion. So the Boston Celtics uh, with a very small, not so long lineup tonight as they head into Miami to face uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, and... Uh, Tyler Harrow, uh, tough matchup. The Miami Heat, every time the Boston Celtics seemed like they were going to pull away, the Miami Heat, you know, brought it back. And that was basically the way the game went for uh, the entire game. If you watched this one all the way through, if you didn't turn off after the first couple of minutes and the Boston Celtics got up big early, uh, you, got, you were in for a treat tonight. Uh, not only did you get a Boston Celtics win, but you got a, you know, back-and-forth effort. The Miami Heat never really had a chance. They did take brief leads of a point or two here and there throughout the game, but never really had a chance to build on those leads before the Boston Celtics uh, came roaring back. Uh, before I bring in my man, Smarty Jip, and just break down a couple of statistics for you because I know you guys like to know. If you missed the game, you guys like to know who did what in this game. Uh, the Boston Celtics, as I mentioned, shorthanded a true eight-man rotation as there were only eight players that played in this game. Um, there were replacements for uh, Ennis Cantor and uh, Robert Williams on the roster. Uh, Langford was suited up, I believe. Carson Edwards was suited up. Taco Fall was even sitting on the bench, at least according to this box score. I didn't see him. They didn't focus on him too much. Uh, some of those those things kind of, you know, take a back seat as uh, the national broadcast focused every uh, non-game minute and even, of course, much of the in-game talk on the passing of Kobe Bryant. Uh, Vinny Sexpans, Vincent Poirier was on the bench as well, but most of the work in the middle was done by Daniel Tice. I believe Garden Hayward even played a little bit, you know, down low. Uh, and Grant Williams got 23 minutes. Um, doing a reasonable uh, impression, nowhere near as good, didn't, doesn't have the size, nowhere near the size of Ennis Cantor, but uh, 
seven rebounds, four defensive rebounds, three offensive rebounds for Grant Williams in those 23 minutes as the, what you could, I guess, call the Celtics big man. I, I, I would maybe call him the Celtics wide man because he's not all that tall. But he did his job in a Celtics win. Uh, just looking down the box score, Gordon Hayward had one of his uh, Gordon Hayward nights, 29 points, nine rebounds, two assists, a block. 10 of 14 shooting, 1 for 2 from behind the arc, 8 for 10 from the uh, line. Gordon Hayward watching him play is interesting to me because he's not fast. He is big and he does seem a bit strong, but he has kind of like this old man game. He doesn't beat you with his athleticism. He beats you with his kind of deceptive moves and his uh, IQ. He has this really long step that he then bring, brings back, and he did it multiple times during this game where he would take this long step forward and pull it back and kind of hang there in the air and bounce, you know, bounce a shot softly off the glass um, for a nice touch. Uh, Jalen Brown uh, following up Gordon Hayward in the box score, 25 points, three rebounds, five assists. Uh, Jalen Brown also nursing an injury, at least according to the uh, injury report, a right ankle sprain, uh, which is probably why. I was wondering, there were certain points in this game where I was like, you know, where's Jalen Brown? But at the end of the game, he played 41 minutes, 25 points on 10 of 16, shooting four of it from the three. Jalen Brown really is uh, just a fantastic player, in my opinion. I I know I've said it before, it seems like it's kind of a hot take, but I really think Jalen Brown may well be on a night-to-night basis, the best player for the Boston Celtics. Uh, Then we have Kemba Walker, not so great from behind the three-point line, three of 13, but doing his job, 16 points, facilitating with eight assists, also have four rebounds. Uh, Marcus Smart, 11 points, eight rebounds, four assists on three of 13 shooting from the field, but all three of those. We're from behind the arc. I mean, what can you say about Marcus Smarty? He's an enigma wrapped in a paradigm, wrapped in, or I mean, a paradox wrapped in a puzzle. Who knows, Marcus Smart, what he's going to do on any given night. But in general, I'm going to say that his contribution is positive. Uh, Daniel Tice really impressed me tonight. Uh, doesn't get any respect from the referees. Gets banged around down there. He's not a big, uh, big man. Uh, Ten points, eleven rebounds. A lot of those rebounds were offensive. He had four offensive rebounds out of those 11. Many uh, many of those were putbacks. He just seems to get the ball, and he doesn't hesitate when he goes right back up with it, and that's what you'd like to see from the Boston Celtics. The bench only gave the Celtics 17 points tonight compared to um, massive – what is this? Let me add this up really quick in my head. This is 34, 44, 45 points off the bench from the Miami Heat who were led by Jimmy Butler with 20 points in the starting lineup, six rebounds. Bam Adebayo had another good game. This is an impressive kid. We'd love to have a guy like Bam Adebayo. He can, you know, he's long, can jump out the gym. 16 points, 10 rebounds uh, for Bam. And then you had uh, Goran Dragic. Actually, Jimmy Butler didn't lead the way. I'm not even, I just looked at the the, uh, bench scoring and didn't even pay attention to what I was looking at. I was just adding up the numbers. Goran Dragic had a 23-point game, although 10 of those points are from the free-throw line, which is probably why I ignored him <laughs> in the uh, breakdown of the stats. Uh, what really what really was the story of this game, the Boston Celtics shot uh, 47% from the field, 39 of 83, whereas the Miami Heat shot 33 from 89. That's 37%. Uh, that's uh, damn near 10% less uh, than the Boston Celtics shot from the field. 
Um, same thing with the three-point three pointers. Boston Celtics shot 13 of 36 for 36 percent from uh, behind the arc. Uh, the Miami Heat. Nine for 37 for 24 uh, percent, as they say in Jamaica. That no make it. That doesn't make it. That does not win you games. Uh, the only place the Miami Heat outshot the Boston Celtics was from the free throw line, where they shot 31 free throws. No idea why. It seemed like a lot of these calls just seemed to go against uh, the Boston Celtics in these games. When the game got close towards the end, I, I noticed a lot of kind of you know ticky tag fouls going in the Miami Heat's favor to make this game look, you know, uh, reasonable. But, you know, you just couldn't put the Boston Celtics away. You had uh, Brad Wanamaker um, hitting a couple threes uh, in in crunch time. You had uh, Marcus Smart hitting threes in crunch time. You had uh, Jalen Brown hitting threes in crunch time. I mean, just every time the Miami Heat tried to make a little bit of a run, the Boston Celtics just brought it right back. Uh, one last stat before I bring in Snotty Jippin. Uh, for all those who like to talk about the Boston Celtics and their need for a big man, Boston Celtics out-rebounding the Miami Heat 48-45. to I'd like to point out on this show uh, that the Boston Celtics rank high when it comes to um, team rebounds. Throughout most of this season, they've been in the top ten in team rebounds and in the top um, six in team blocks. Well, they've fallen down to top 16 in team rebounds. I think a large part of that has to do with the fact that they're miss- they've been missing a lot of their big men um, night in and night out. But they have elevated themselves to what is this fifth place in team blocks per game. So uh, do with that as you will. Uh, the Boston Celtics may need something. I think they could use a solid player off the bench to give them some scoring off the bench. They could get healthy. That would help. But I think a minor move, and it doesn't have to be for a big man, would probably benefit the Boston Celtics. But I think this team is competitive with or without um, any type of moves. We're not going to start this show out talking about moves. Uh, and with that, I'm going to bring in my co-host, James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin. Uh, tune calling in, co-hosting all the way from the West Coast to 619, just a little bit south of the L.A. metro area. I believe that's San Diego. Uh, he must be really feeling the Kobe Bryant loss all the way out there. I can't imagine there is a single part of California, especially Southern California, where there isn't a Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant, along with the other seven passengers that died on that helicopter mural, um, commemorating the contributions that Kobe made to the game of basketball and the world of sports. Um, snotty. First things first, we'll get to uh, the cumbersome, not the cumbersome, but the melancholic talk about uh, Kobe Bryant later on. But what do you think about this uh, Celtics win, 109-101 over the Miami Heat? Snotty. You there? Well, I will leave Snotty Drippin's mic on unmuted, unless that's not Snotty. Is there a caller from 619 that is on the air with me? Ah, Snotty just dropped. All right, so I'll continue to break down the game. Yeah, like I said, the Boston Celtics uh, held this one uh, for most of the game. The Miami Heat attempted to make comebacks, but, you know, just could not build on any lead that they put forward, the Boston Celtics, taking to heart the uh, 
criticisms earlier in this season of um, not getting out uh, to early starts in these games, kind of falling behind and then trying to, you know, bring themselves back later on because they know that they're supremely talented, especially their starting lineup. They have the talent. They have Kimball Walker. They have Jalen Brown. They well, This game they didn't have Jason Tatum, but they have Garden Haywood. You know, Marcus Smart can make those plays. This team always believes, regardless of how far down they get, they always believe that they can come back, but they came out gangbusters in this, outscoring the um, Miami Heat 36-28 to in the first quarter. Uh, then kind of fell asleep a little bit in the second quarter where the Miami Heat got their bearings, outscoring the Boston Celtics 20-17. to uh, Third quarter was almost a wash, 28-27, to and the uh, Boston Celtics uh, then put the game away, 29-25 to in the fourth uh, for a again a final score of 109 to 101. This point we're going to try to go right back to my man Snotty Drippin. Snotty, what is going on? What did you think about the Miami Heat uh, Boston Celtics game? 109 101 victory for victory for the Boston Celtics. Much needed win. Boston Celtics getting back into the win column after a uh, loss that was overshadowed on Sunday by tragedies um, out there in Southern California. No, oh, Snotty Drippin. If you can hear me, unfortunately, I cannot hear you. So, uh, if you can, how about now? Can you hear me? What's up, Snotty? Hello? There we go. There it we go. Good. All right. Yeah, I was like sitting yeah. there, like, uh oh, everyone's gonna have to sit in the sit here and listen to me talk about stats for the next, you know what I'm saying, uh, thirty minutes because I didn't want to break into the, uh, the the Kobe Bryant, you know, eulogy too soon. But um, let's let's break down the game and we can talk a little bit about Kobe. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, CLNS Media Boston South this Post Game Show did a Kobe Bryant tribute on Sunday after the tragedy happened. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But let's get down to the 109-101 Boston Celtics victory over the Miami Heat at American Airlines Arena in South Beach. Uh, so if I had to describe this victory in one word, I would say uh, businesslike. They they uh, did what yes. they had to do. They came out. Uh, they shot the ball very well early, which is not something we've seen recently, right? We've seen a lot of cold spells from the Celtics. And um, uh, Jalen and, and Gordon carried the offense the way they should. Uh, Kemba, you know, he didn't shoot well, but he made some key plays down the stretch and hit, hit, hit a big three and got a couple free throws, you know, drew, drew fouls, which, as we know from last season, was a real big issue. Like, they had issues drawing fouls. Um, and, you know, I think Boston's still probably not one of the leaders in fouls drawn, but, you know, Kemba can't get in the paint. Gordon Hayward get in the paint. Jalen can get in the paint and, and draw fouls. We'd like to see that. Um, did a really good job by Jimmy Butler, right? We know he's a borderline MVP-type guy, and he can take over games in the clutch. He tried to a little bit. Um, I heard you say it was ticky-tack fouls, but him and Gordon, him and uh, Dragic did a good job of attacking and getting to the free throw line. That's what, you know – if your shot's not falling and you got to get points, you get guys in the penalty and you draw free throws, and that's that's a veteran, you know, some veteran savvy right there. So good on them. But like uh, Boston kept making timely shots. Gordon Hayward, um, I kind of didn't like the the way he kind of, you know, that's fine. He's a former All Star. He's he's a he's a max guy. He kind of went a little bit hero mode late, but it was fine because he, he made the plays. He got the free throws. Uh, no complaints really, I guess. So uh, like you said. Boston's been very up and down recently. I just looked, and since Christmas, they're 11 and 8, which isn't great. Um, they're seventh in net rating. 
they've tumbled down to think into like the low teens and offensive rating over that stretch, not for the whole season, just, you know, since Christmas. And they're like seventh uh, in defensive rating. So they're not playing great. You know, they're not playing great right now, but a lot of it's due to injuries. You know, you, you talked about guys being in and out of the lineup right now, only eight guys played tonight. So um, it was, it was a, uh, like, sometimes I can't watch these, right? Boston seems to be boomer bust where either they play really well and, you know, they, they have a, a entertaining style of basketball and guys are, are doing great things, or they just, like, they can't make anything. And it's just one and done. They miss, the other team comes down and gets anything they want. So this was a, a really good win against a quality team. Yeah, and, and speaking of quality teams, the Miami Heat um, came into this game. They were, uh, what is it, 32-14 and 14 in second place in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, I was about to say a few games behind the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, but they're not a few games behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Nobody is just a few games behind the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are firing away the uh, number one team in the Eastern Conference, and I don't think anybody's going to catch them. They're eight games, or they were eight games ahead of the uh, Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors, who are tied for uh, second place. I guess Miami must have the uh, tiebreaker over the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Boston Celtics coming into this game at uh, 30 and 15 in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. But when you do a deeper uh, examination of the Miami Heat's recent schedule. Um, going back to, let's say, the new year, they've faced a grand total of, I think, uh, three teams that are in the top four in their respective conference, and that's Toronto, um, whom they beat, and then they lost to the L.A. Clippers a couple nights ago, and then they lost to the Boston Celtics tonight. All their other matchups have either been against uh, garbage teams like the Washington Wizards, the Sacramento Kings, the New York Knicks, who they lost to surprisingly, uh, and middling, uh, in lower, you know, ranked uh, teams that you know are fighting, scrapping for playoff positioning, like the uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder or the um, Orlando Magic, who I believe are in eighth or seventh place in the Eastern Conference. I think Brooklyn is in eighth place in the Eastern Conference. The Brooklyn Nets are just a dumpster fire right now. I don't even think uh, KD can save that team. So uh, while the Miami Heat have had the you know benefit of a you know a, a, a favorable schedule, and I'm not going to count which ones of those games were at home, which ones of those games were on the road, but they just had a I believe five game homestand. They came into this game on a five-game uh, homestand, five games at home, whereas the Boston Celtics were on the uh, third game of a three-game road trip that included uh, a uh, stop in Orlando, then out to New Orleans and back to Miami. No idea why they scheduled it that way. Should have just, you know, done New Orleans first, you know, from Memphis. Well, actually, Memphis is at home. But, you know, go to New Orleans first and then come to Orlando, then then down to Miami. But, the NBA does what the NBA does. You can't always match everything on the schedules. Every team has to have those things. But when you look at their schedules, I believe the Boston Celtics has had a have had a slightly tougher schedule uh, since New Year's than the Miami Heat. I mean, you got games against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers on uh, the ninth. Uh, you had a game against the Milwaukee Bucks on the 16th. You had the game against the Lakers, which is a massive blowout. You had a game against the uh, uh, insurgent Memphis Grizzlies, and uh, both the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics have played Orlando in that 
uh, time frame. I'm trying to see. They both teams beat Orlando. So I mean, if you look at that, I mean, you know, when the best team, the uh, uh, Miami Heat played, were the L.A. Clippers, and they lost compared to the best team, the Boston Celtics played uh, since the new year with the Los Angeles Lakers, and not only did they win, but they won big. In fact, the biggest win they've had in that rivalry since the 60s. Um, It's safe to say the Boston Celtics have had a harder road and performed better against that harder road, even if the record may not show it, because records are relative to who you're playing. If you're playing, you know, a bunch of garbage teams and you have, you know, a a record that's comparable to what, you know, another team who's playing a lot of tough teams has, you know, you can fairly say that the team that has, you know, even if both teams had the identical record in terms of wins or losses, it's safe to say that the team that has that identical record but has played tougher competition has played better over that time period. Now, you can then microanalyze it and say, well, they're like you just said, the, the Boston Celtics have come out, you know, cold some nights and they're tough to watch some nights when they're not hitting, you know, their shots. Um, but they hit their shots tonight. Tonight was a, was a good shooting night from everybody except for maybe Kemba Walker. But uh, I, I, Marcus Smart was almost there. I think three for eight is you know on the on the cusp of you know basically what you can expect uh, Marcus Smart to do. That's a respectable um, uh, three point shooting uh, from him. Jalen Brown continues to just be incredible this year. Four for eight. I think he shot. I know. I think it was something fifty percent. Uh, from behind the arc, and he started out early. Jalen Brown was just, I mean, there was a couple of shots he hit there that, you know, he just did not care if there was a defender in his face. He he rose up, he took that shot, and he made it. So uh, the Boston Celtics, I think, despite this kind of, you know, up and down kind of thing they're doing where they, where they you know, I mentioned it earlier, you mentioned it just now, I mentioned it again, where they, you know, they win three, they lose three, they win two, they lose three, they win three. Then they lost one, now they win one. I mean, it's just up and down with the Celtics. I think once this team gets everybody back and once the even the players that are play, that they, that are on the court now are still playing through, you know, minor injuries. Like I mentioned, Jalen Brown uh, was listed on the Pelicans uh injury report as having a uh, ankle sprain. So I imagine the ankle sprain isn't too bad because he's still playing. Um Marcus Smart has a left hand sprain. Uh, that he's that he's dealing with. I think at this point in the season, most players or a lot of players are playing through some type of nagging injury. But I think this team, when healthy, and you know this is going to take some of that man that that load management, that time management from Brad Stevens. I I think he would have liked to have probably dispatched to the Miami Heat earlier than uh, they did, as opposed to playing Jalen Brown for 41 minutes. But Jalen Brown's a young man; he has the legs to go 41 minutes. I mean, I. Uh, 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 ankle sprain, you don't really want to put him on too many minutes or something like that, but like I said, it must not be that bad. But this team went healthy, and when you have everybody on the court, I think Ennis Cantor, being a bench player, is uh, a significant contributor off the bench. I think, he, you know, not just in rebounding, not just in being a big body, he's obviously not the greatest of defenders, but he, uh, you know, gets those offensive rebounds and those putbacks. He gets those, you know, those those uh, passes in the paint, and he can score down there, and he's frequently the leading scorer off the say, bench. And I think once he, gets, once he gets back, the Boston Celtics will be all right. I agree that Cantor, you know, he, he's an important role player. But I will say that I, I'm going to disagree with one thing. Um, because sure, I think Boston does a really good job gang rebounding and they do a really good job of, uh, team defense, right? They come up with a lot of blocks, uh, 
a lot of their blocks are the, and it's fine. It's still blocked. They do. They have a lot of blocks with those, like the the strip blocks where a guys going up and they just before the guy gets the ball above his waist or you know up above his shoulders, they they slap it out of his hand. That's it's a block. Good. But um, I do think if if in a perfect world Boston would upgrade at starting center because Tice is doing an admirable job and I know his net rating looks good and he's he, he's a smart player. I really like Daniel Tice. He's just too small. Like Tice is really like six eight or six nine. And it, it it affects us sometimes, especially against the really good teams uh, in the league. And uh, I do agree with you, though, that, yeah, a bench upgrade would be nice because so many games I've watched this season, tonight included, and, yes, there's a lot of injuries. They just uh, – there's no pop off the bench. Carson Edwards has been disappointing. Um, not saying he won't be good in the future, but this year he's not good. Um, Grant Williams is a great, like, you know, kind of do-it-all glue guy, but he's not going to really score you points. Um, you know, Marcus Smart's not a big time scorer anyway, even if he can have big nights. So when he goes back to his bench role, he's not gonna really come off and just, you know, average sixteen or seventeen. Uh no. so they definitely could use uh an Alex Burke type guy off the bench. Um like uh like what did it cost uh the Jazz to get what's the guy's name? Jordan uh Clarkson, right? Like that they definitely could yeah. use a cheap a guy to come in to play 15, 20 minutes and give you 12 points. And if he's rolling, he might give you 25. And he can act, you can count on him to get buckets against second units because right now the bench comes in and, like, you know, it's it's not it's not great on a lot of nights. So, um, like you said, there's a huge disparity tonight. Miami Heat has a lot of depth. And, you know, they got a guy like Dragic off the bench. You just can, you know, he's basically a starting point guard who's, who's except the bench role. So, um, uh, it's a quality win. And, um, I, I agree with you. When healthy, this like I think Boston is one of the best starting lineups, right? I think you know, of course, there's LeBron and the Lakers just because they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. There's the Clippers with so much depth. There's some really good. There's you know, obviously the way the Bucks fit together, they're a really good starting lineup. And but other than those, you know, those those really elite elite teams, uh, Boston is, is like right a half step below because they have so many weapons. But they definitely could use another another key guy off the bench and if they could somehow upgrade the you know the either the backup big man position with a defensive guy instead of just because Cantor's fine I'm not one of the Cantor haters at all I'm, I'm gonna agree that Cantor's it's weird there's a there's a faction of guys who just like oh Cantor you know whatever but um yeah if they could get one like a, a defender a springy defender off the bench you know to, to rim runner or even to start and then have Tice play the, the main backup minutes at center and Cantor just does his spot thing against, you know, against against certain lineups where he can just kind of go nuts. That'd be perfect. It would be. So, um, but I like what I see. I mean, we like I'm with you on the Jalen train. C- consistently night to night, he might not have the ceiling of a Kemba Walker or a, of a Jason Tatum as far as just being able to go off for 40 every you now on a split night. But he's, you know, we know he can, but just he's not quite as explosive a score. But the defense. Tonight he had five assists, so the playmaking is starting to come around. Um, he can he can get double digit rebounds. So I'm a big Jalen guy. Yeah, Jalen Brown and and Jalen Brown really set the tone early, I think, in this game. So did Gordon Haywood, you know. And and it's interesting because for players that play, you know, in Brad's system, we we've all we've all gone over this, you know, ad infinitum that Brad Stevens doesn't believe in point guards and shooting guards and small forwards and power forwards and centers. He believes in ball handlers, wings, and bigs, you know, and whatever. For players that are, are supposedly play the same position in Brad Stevens' system, 
Gordon Haywood and Jalen Brown's games couldn't be any more different. Jalen Brown is above the rim. Jalen Brown is athletic. Jalen Brown is explosive. And Gordon Hayward just – and this is not a criticism of Jordan, uh, Gordon Hayward because when he's on like this, and I think he's done a better job of being uh, more consistent, and that's one of the criticisms that I've had of Gordon Hayward uh, throughout the season is that he hasn't been consistent, you know, when in situations where – uh, given all these different injuries and players, you know, missing games, um, where Gordon Hayward would have to be the guy that comes out and, you know, if not leads the team, as you know, at least, you know, second and, you know, would be the second in command behind Kemba or something like that. He ends up, you know, not doing as much or not doing enough or maybe scores empty points in the sense that, you know, they're, they're not points that he's not really changing the game in a lot of the ways that he plays. But Gordon Hayward, watching him tonight, he really plays plays what I like to call dad ball. He really plays like like this this unathletic below the rim basketball. He he uses you know these kind of like the, the deception deception moves and these hanging moves and these long strides and these you know these dragging hanging kind of things. And then you know just to, just to bounce a shot off the backboard once the shot blocking threat has you know descended or has moved out of the way or has jumped past them and it's, it's smart basketball it's good I, you know I, I i have nothing against it if you can score and you can contribute to the to the uh to the team win i have no complaints about it and tonight gordon hayward had a fantastic game gordon hayward was uh, critical in you know setting the tone early along with Jalen Brown uh, with the Boston Celtics uh, for uh, uh, for the Boston Celtics early in this game. It's just you know the, 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 this team you can't get outscored. I forgot. I totally forgot what the math I did for the uh, the Miami Heat and their bench scoring was 34, uh, 44, 45, 45 to. Uh, eighteen, forty-five to eighteen yeah. bench going. There, there, ha- there has to be something, and I mean, big. Uh, yes, I would love it if the Boston Celtics could upgrade, you know, their big man to have somebody. And I think that their upgrade may even be on the roster now. I don't. I, I know, Lob Williams is not ready. He's not ready to be, you know, the the that upgrade. He's not ready to be an upgrade. He's ready to be a con- maybe a, 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 a contributor. At what I saw from him earlier in the season led me to believe that he's improved over last season where he just looked lost in, in many instances. But, I would, you know, it would be ideal, yes. I'd love to see the Boston Celtics get a, you know, solid big man. And, I mean, I, I just don't I just don't know who that big man would be. So the next best thing, you know, if, if you can't, you know, do both, both things, one, you know, address the bench scoring by either upgrading the – you know the the starting center position, and then moving Daniel Tice to the bench. Although I don't know if that would even happen at this point, because Brad Stevens, I think, is is I, I can't I can't imagine Brad Stevens not being in love with what Daniel Tice does. But in the in the situation where you play a team like Philadelphia, or one of those rare, you know, three or four teams that have a you know big lumbering you know bruiser of a big man you know down low. Daniel Tice is going to suffice, and the team defense is going to suffice. But if you can't, you know, uh, kill two birds with one stone by adding, you know, uh, by upgrading the starting center and then, and then therefore moving Daniel Tice down to uh, the bench, uh, the next best thing is to find somebody that might that they can contribute, you know, off the bench to give a scoring punch off the bench. Like you mentioned, Marcus Smart, he's a fantastic player. He's going to give you that intensity and that hustle. He's a microwave in other ways. But if you need some points off the bench it's you know it's it's a it's a you know it's a 
give or take whether or not Marcus Smart is going to give that to you off the bench because sometimes he can, or sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't because Marcus Smart is going to contribute in some way in every single game, and I think it's almost always going to be a net positive, but it's not always going to be a uh, a, a, a scoring thing. Um, we do have exactly. at least – Last time I looked at it, we do have some callers on the call lines. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we uh, hit the HelloFresh call lines, uh, Snotty Jippin? Uh, just, I would love to see Tremont Waters with the, the team more. I get, I think he's on a two-way, right? Is that what the issue is? Because yes. I think he would solve a lot of issues, I think, as a backup. Um, I know it sounds silly because he's another rookie. Uh, he's undersized, but he looks really good when he comes up, and he, he's a, I think he's just a more natural point guard, a more natural facilitator than Carson Edwards. I think he has yes. a better feel for when to shoot and when to, you know, when to not. I think he's a strong defender to be so small against backup guards. I like him a lot, and you know, I get it. Right now, it's uh, you know, I think they they, they kind of went in early on Carson Edwards and uh, Williams, which is good because Grant Williams definitely is a rotation guy. But yeah, I think I I wish somehow they had. They had locked into, I don't know, Grant was a first-round pick, so that's what it is. I mean, not Grant, uh, Carson Edwards was a first-round pick. But I wish somehow we could, they could they locked on to Tremont Waters instead of Grant uh, as as the backup and the guy to be with the team because I think he would solve a lot of issues. And I don't know what the – maybe you can answer this question before we go to the call lines, or maybe the callers can answer the question. I don't know the, the, the stipulations of the two-way contracts because it's different than, say, for example – uh, a Taco Fall, Taco Fall, who has it. Was he signed to a two-way, or is he still on that exhibition where he only gets the 45 days with the Boston, with the with the actual Celtics team, not in Maine? Is, does does Jaymont Waters have the same type of contract where he, where he only gets to spend a certain amount of time with the Boston Celtics and can't really, you know, uh, he, his time is limited, meaning he has a limited number of days, a limited number of of games he can play or days that he can spend with the Celtics, or is it just because uh, that, that's one of those things that confused me. I know that, that Taco Fall came in on a uh, an exhibition contract, and I think they may have given him one of those two-way contracts after that. Is, 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 is Tremont's time limited uh, in, in the amount of time he can spend with he's the on, Yeah, he's on a two-way, which means when you're on a two-way, you only get so many days up with the team, right? So he's on a two-way. 45 days or something know. like that. Something like that, yeah. So that's why we don't see him very often, right? They want to kind of measure his days out, so. It is what it is. Um, yeah, he's on a two-way, and that's – I get it. Like, you know, I, they they got to do something, though, because there's too many nights when the starting five does a great job, and then they start bringing the bench guys, and you you can just see the offense fall apart because guys, you know, they're not making shots. Guys aren't a threat to score, and teams start playing them like that. So, um, that's, when, it's health, when the team's healthy, like, it mitigates a lot because you can always keep a, uh, you know, one or two starters on the floor to, to kind of take the shots and all that. But, yeah, it, it's definitely an issue. And that's essentially what they have to do. I mean, you, you, when you have, I mean, this is this is like I said, eight players played for the Boston Celtics tonight, and when you have uh, such low contribution from the 
bench, and this has been an issue for a while now with the Boston Celtics, you have no choice but to keep, you know, one or two of the starters out there with the bench players. Obviously, tonight, if you only played eight players, there was three players coming off the bench. There was always going to be two starters on the on the court uh, at some point, you know what I mean, at any point in this game. But, you know, when you do have a more full roster when Ennis Kanta comes back, when, you know, you get some of these other players back from injury, um, you're going to have, you know, situations. But you have to always have uh, one of those guys. And I, and I agree with you completely. I think Tremont Waters is the more NBA-ready uh, player than Carson Edwards. I like Carson Edwards in the summer league. He looked like he was a uh, – and in the, you know, the, the, the preseason basketball, he looked like he was, you know, an energizer bunny out there. Uh, but you mentioned something about, you know, knowing when to shoot and when not to shoot. And I think that Carson Edwards at this point in his career has only one mode, and that's when to shoot. He doesn't have a when not to shoot mode yet. I think when he gets it, he's shooting it and – uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. And speaking of that, before uh, you know, and I do want to get to these call lines. I see you out there six one seven. Is that what I noticed towards the end of the game? And you, and and you made. I know you disagreed with me slightly, or you know, you disagreed with me about uh, some of the ticky tack fouls. Uh, but on the other end of the basket of the of the uh, of the floor, I noticed the Boston Celtics on offense when the game starts to come down into that you know that clutch. You know, inside three minutes or inside you know three or four minutes. I noticed a lot of, you know, one pass or no pass possessions where it was just like, you know, the, the Boston Celtics just too frequently relied on, you know, this either, you know, dribble a few times and pull up and shoot a three from the top of the key. I saw Gordon Hayward do that, you know, a couple of times. Or, you know, this, I'm just going to take the ball into the hoop. And I saw Marcus Smart do that a couple of times. And I think that, you know, the Boston Celtics really need to learn how to, uh, maintain their focus on their game plan. The reason they're so good is because they make the extra pass. When they're playing their best, they're making the extra pass. Along with when they're uh, uh, when they get on the fast break, I believe they're the uh, uh, the the fifth best team. What is it? And they they mentioned it during the game. They're uh, fast break points or, or where they are in the fast break. The, sixth in fast break points. So unless they're on the fast break, the way the Boston Celtics play the best in the half-court offense is when they make that extra pass. And it just, you know, really frustrates me, you know, time and time again when you see the game starting to close in and you see the game, you know, you're in crunch time, you're in the clutch, and it's time for, you know, for the Celtics to execute. And instead of, you know, sticking to the game plan, it's like, okay, now we're just going to have, you know, Gordon Hayward, you know, pull back and then, you know, put his head down and drive to the hoop or we're just going to have Kimba Walker go and drive to the hoop it's like what happened to the passes that's Brad Stevens offense is making those passes and there's just too much uh ISO you know one-on-one ball you see, and that even more so when Jason Tatum is in the game and I love the fact that Brad Stevens and the uh, Boston Celtics as a team trust uh Jason Tatum to be that guy to you know to to to, to put the ball in his hands and try to make something happen but I think that you know maintaining the ball movement throughout the game, including in crunch time, uh, would help the Boston Celtics a lot instead of some of these, you know, one-pass, no-pass possessions where they just, you know, put, you know, dribble and pull up or dribble and try to get to, you know, dribble and get to the basket. I- I'd like to see some of these passes. I think they could get better shots than you. that. I'm fully with you, man. I feel like it's almost like a little bit of a some of the vestiges of last year come out every now and then, right? Because that was the problem last year. Guys were kind of not – they're not trying to be selfish. I think they just want to help the team, and they think that's the way to help the team. So, yeah, 
the other team will execute their offense and get a good shot, you know, and maybe, you know, get to score. And then Boston will come down and they'll jack up a quick three or one guy just dominates the possession and ends up taking a bad shot. Like, it happens, you know, to the point where um, I saw somebody actually tweeting about this the other day. Like, when do you start, like, putting that on Brad? Because it's been two years now when the offense can devolve into, okay, your turn, my turn. And like that, that that can't be right. We're talking about it, it just it can't be. It's just not good offense. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely see it at times. Um, and I don't know when when they have a win like this, Miami. This is a Miami's just their loss at home. It's hard to really criticize. Um, I guess the only other thing I'll say is that I, I was really shocked. And this I know it's not his first game, but I'm really shocked that Deion Waiters is playing again for the Heat. And I, I'm glad he's playing because he actually kind of down the stretch, not not really crunch time, but I, I, there was a few plays in the fourth quarter that he made the wrong decision. And I get it, he's he's rusty, but you, you know, Dion they call him trick or treat Dion, or I call him trick or treat Dion because you never know what you can get with him. And um, it was he was you know some he he actually, him him on the floor didn't didn't seem to help the Heat. But I get you no, know, I guess they're dealing with injuries too. So, um, yeah, I, I never thought he'd play in the Heat uniform again after all the stuff that went on with him this year. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's good to see him back on the court. I'm glad, you know, but at the same time tonight he, was, he wasn't he was what they needed and he was actually a, a, a benefit to the Celtics. I was just – you took – you literally must have read my line because I said, to the benefit of the Celtics, you got the uh, uh, trick-or-treat Deion Waiters. I think early in the game you got the uh, – the, the the treat Deion Waiters at least for the Miami Heat he hit a few uh, shots to, to, during that initial comeback after the Boston Celtics uh, you know came out to a to a you know significant or a decent early lead uh, he went uh, he scored I think 11 points I don't know how where that spread out during the you know throughout the game I imagine he must have scored at some other point but you're absolutely right and you know later later on in the game you, you put him out there he's you know he becomes the you know this is going to sound bad, but he becomes a trick Deion Waiters. You know, he's he's not doing any any favors for the Miami. Heat. <laughs> he's not doing any favors for the Miami Heat. But you know, he did he scored 11 points off the bench in 18 minutes. I mean, I know four of 11 shooting isn't fantastic, but you know, three of six from three, and I think a lot of those came you know uh, earlier in the game when they were mounting that comeback. It's just one of those things. Like you, I think trick or treat Deion Waiters is is uh, is a perfect description and with that i would like to remind everybody that this is a live boston celtics post game call-in show you can join the discussion by dialing 347-215-7771 and when you hear the automated operator please press one or dial one if you're using an old school rotary phone like my grandmother to join the conversation live on the clns media airwaves which as usual are brought to you by hellofresh America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80 and enter CLNS80, that's CLNS80, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. You get fresh, easy Seasonal recipes, pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door from HelloFresh. And we thank HelloFresh for sponsoring tonight's episode. 617, Boston area code, calling in from the hub, the bean. 617, what did you see from this 
over the Miami Heat down there in uh, South Beach, just about 300 miles from where I'm at in Tampa. Good evening, guys. I was um, I was kind of impressed. Um, you know, there were a few bad turnovers where I thought we were going to blow the lead, but um, I got to say, you know, Jalen Brown was holding it down, and uh, Gordon Hayward came through. He was tonight's leading scorer. I thought he played really well. Um, Kemba missed lots of shots, but he made a few key, key plays down the stretch. And Marcus Smart, man, if there was ever a wild card, um, you know, missing a lot of shots, but coming through with clutch plays, game-winning plays on both ends of the floor, you know, that, that rebound that he did, where there were like, I don't know, there must have been three guys around him, and he just jumped higher than them. I mean, Marcus Smart is really the heart and soul of the team, and I'm really, um, you know, he's frustrating sometimes, and, you know, I guess that you got to take the good with the bad, but I'm really glad he's on our team. And I guess, I don't know, I mean, my friend was having this, and I were having this debate about who the best player is. And it's kind of hard to say, you know, we, we all have our favorite players. I know for Snotty, it's Jalen Brown. Um, for me, it's Jason Tatum. But if you ask me, you know, who the best player is, I'm not sure I know the answer because, uh, you know, these guys are really good, but I don't feel like they're consistent enough. I think out of the four best players, I think Jalen Brown is probably the most consistent. But if you ask me who the best player is, probably I'd say the most talented player is either Kemba or Jason Tatum. So um, what do you guys think? Who Who's the best player on the team? Nick, what do you think? I'll let you go first. Um, I, I've said it multiple times, and it, I, I used to say it kind of as a hot take, a half a hot take, maybe a warm take for me, but I'm just going to continue saying it. Jalen Brown, I think that, you know, you, it's not just about offense with Jalen. I think it's about um, offense and defense. He's blossomed into a fantastic two-way player. And it's just so easy to, you know, not recognize it when he's out there because he just is so consistent. But when he's not out there, you really miss Jalen Brown on both ends of the court. Um, Kimber Walker, I mean, Kimber Walker is, is an all-star starter. He made it as a starter. Jalen Brown is going to have to wait and see if they get him in there as the uh, – as a as a reserve voted on by as the a uh, yeah. yeah as a reserve voted on by not by the fans but by whoever it is that votes on the reserves I guess it's the uh, the sports writers or whoever it is that votes that the votes coaches on those right is it, is it the coaches I guess whoever it is, I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not huge on the All Star game because when I watch it I see zero defense and I'm I'm very big on defense so when I watch those All Star games it's like it's really just a bunch of guys out there having fun. It doesn't have any impact, which is what an All-Star game should be, and I rarely watch an entire All-Star game. I'll, turn, I'll tune it in if there's nothing else on, and I'll, you know, flip back and forth, but I don't really pay that close attention. But for me, I think Jalen Brown is really it, because I think, like like tonight, Jalen Brown was hitting his shots, and that set the tone for everybody else. He was. But yeah, I love I don't Jalen, know. I and I think that um, in a lot of ways, I know it's a, hot, it's a hot take to say, well, you know, his ceiling can might approach Jason Tatum's ceiling one day. Um, but he's really good. He, I love Jalen. I love how impactful he is. I think Tatum is going to be the best player on this team. 
Um, mm. And I think that Gordon Hayward doesn't have the – I think he has a higher floor than a lot of these guys because, like, mm-hmm. you know, he'll give you 12 and 5 and 5 even on a bad night. Um, he's, a, he's a huge net positive as far as impact. But I got to go with Kemba because, look, uh, being able to stretch the floor he, the way he does and get into his shooting pocket and and really punish teams um, on the, you know, sure he has up and like now he wasn't great, but he still when they needed him he was able to to do some things. And I get it, size can negate Kemba at times. While Jalen and Jason are so big for their position, they can you know they they can still do their thing. But they I think are still learning their powers. And at times yeah. we've seen it, right? They just you know yeah. nice. They just can't get any offense going and. Boston was very ordinary. Why Kemba is kind of can be a flamethrower. He can kind of either keep teams afloat, keep the offense afloat for a while on his own, uh, and then make big shots in the clutch. So I get Kemba has his limitations on defense and, you know, the size thing, but I think he is right now offensively at a level that those guys are not ready to reach. Not, not right now. They're not reaching yet. And because he's at that level more consistently than they are, as far as on this team, I think he's still the best player, and it's it's close. And you know those guys yeah. are probably going to pass him up here soon. But yeah, that's why I go with it. Well, the, the thing Ke- the thing Kemba can do before I go back to the caller, the thing Kemba can do is he he can turn it on and off like a light switch. And I don't know if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can do that yet. Like you said, they're still they're still discovering their powers. So on nights when he sees that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum or somebody else or Gordon Gordon Hayward has the you know the, the high hand, he you know he defers and he's able to you know to 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 play the background and he's and he's fine with that because he spent eight or nine years down there in Charlotte being the only guy that could do anything or one of the only guys that really could do anything consistently. Whereas right. now in Boston, he's able to, you know, sometimes, you know, sit back. He doesn't have to score every single, you know, he doesn't have to be the leading scorer on the team every single night in order for the Boston Celtics to win. Because when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward or whoever else it is are having an on game or the odd occasion when Marcus Smart is uh, making 11 three-pointers, you know what I'm saying? Kemba Walker can kind of just play the back and score, you know, his his uh, 12, 15, you know, 18 points. He doesn't have to score those, you know, he doesn't have to be the leading scorer. But he has the ability to turn it on and off. I think his skill set overall, the, the, the difficulty of the shots that he can make, that step back is just insane, especially the way that he makes it over taller defenders. Uh, the ability to split the defenders, his, his handles, the way that he can get to the hoop and finish at the at the rim, you know. We, and, it's, and it's not finishing at the rim the way that Jalen Brown will finish at the rim over, like, for example, uh, LeBron James, just elevating and dunking. He finishes at the rim like a small guy that knows the geometry of the backboard. He knows how to use uh, the backboard to get the you know the ball in the hoop. He knows how to finish. He has a more complete skill set. Um, but and, but like I said, he doesn't have to do it every single night, and he's more than content. He said it before the season that his usage rate you know may go down. Uh, that's and he has he's perfectly fine with that because he doesn't want to be the only guy uh, you know shouldering all the burden. So he's happy more than happy uh, to ride the hot hand. And I think when you get uh, once they re-sign Jason Tatum to another uh, contract, and we get into you know the the Jalen uh, Brown's new contract, and they you know get a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a few more years under their belt, and they start discovering their powers. They really understand what they're doing. Um, they're all going to be able to do that, and if they can all do that, turn it on and off as they as they need to, depending on what's necessary for the team to win. You're really going to have 
uh, an incredible team, and I think we're just seeing the beginning of that. Uh, what do you think, six one seven? Who's who's who do you think is the best player on this Boston Celtics team? Oh man, you know you're asking the wrong guy because I'm old Jason Tatum, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm not the only one because you know. No, of course not. He has the, That's a legit he has answer. The fourth, he has the fourth best-selling jersey in the East right now, behind in the who, NBA. In the, the NBA, NBA. Oh, in the whole NBA, the whole NBA. Wow. Yes, the whole NBA. Well, well you know, the, you know, he's just. I love watching him play. You know, he's a good guy. He seems to have a good personality, and you know, I just sense that there's this inner Kobe in him, where he's just trying. You know, I know it can be frustrating when you take those long twos, but I really do think that this guy has a good arsenal. I love seeing him play ISO because that's like, that's my kind of like favorite kind of basketball, seeing guys show off and show off their moves. Um, I really do think that he has the potential to someday become the best player on the team um, and take over games. I just like to see a little more consistency, but you know, on the defensive end, he's been he's gotten a lot better this year. Don't you guys agree? Definitely. Agree. I love his I love his weak yeah, side help. Agree. I love his upside defense. He's gotten a lot yeah, better. Yeah, and you know what's funny, man? I'm so tired of people. They want to. Some people want the NBA to be so cookie cutter, right? Like they complain about the ISOs and Tatum and the handle. That's fine, man. I the I don't I never exactly. want to see the the soul take out of basketball. I never want to see uh, everyone play the same. I don't want every team to be the Rockets. So exactly uh, the fact that Tatum <laughs> is trying to hone his mid range game, the fact that Jalen Brown has honed his mid range game, I love it. You know, I love that they both exactly. can uh, score in so many different ways. So um, yeah, I'm with him. you. He's fun to watch. He is. Uh, it just so it can be so frustrating on those nights because he's he's had so many nights this season that you know four for seventeen. It's weird. But I get it. He's just uh, like you know, he's he's still figuring things out. So yeah, I'm not stressed about it. I think I'm not like some people. Oh, will he ever figure it out? Of course he will. You know, he's a young he kid. And he, this out. is one of those seasons right. where he's getting to try stuff that he never tried before, and it's you know, it's gonna it's gonna it, these this, these reps are gonna pay dividends down the road. So uh, yeah, he's a lot <laughs> of fun. I'm a big Tatum and guy, you know, and it's gonna be interesting to see in the next couple of years, right? Like the whole right. point, the whole thing we're looking at is can he be the centerpiece of a of a contender? Can he develop in that kind of player? And, you know, I think we saw Paul George do it from the same kind of beginnings, right, where they kind of started him really slow, brought him, brought him along, and he's, his game just grew every year. So let's see if that happens comparison. with Tatum and then to a lesser extent, Jalen, right? So it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, we're on a journey here in Boston. Any final thoughts, 617? Well, you know, I think it's, um, it's good to see that Brad Stevens has a lot of trust in him to, to you know, he's letting – Jason Tatum play the style that he wants to play rather than try to force him into being someone he's not. And I think, I think he just got to ride with that and see how he develops, you know, let him, let him gain confidence, let him play his style. And you never know, maybe it will uh, pay off in the end. Um, Before I go, one thing I want to hear from you guys, I I don't, I I don't want to jump the gun, but I would love to see like, Kobe Bryant become the logo and I was wondering like what are some of the best ideas you've heard to honor Kobe I know some people were saying you know change the logo after him some people are saying retire his numbers league wide 
And then you get stuff like Chris Mannix saying, oh, at the All-Star game, have the East and West wear his numbers and play off against each other. So you've been hearing all these kinds of ideas, and I'm wondering, like, which ones do you think are the coolest way to honor Kobe? Um, Thank you for the I call, 617. I'm going to jump on that one real quick, Snotty. I'm going to jump on that one real quick, and it's going to be real quick. I think, I, I'm not okay. with changing the logo unless the, the league wants to change the logo anyway. I'm not a fan of Jerry West, so I don't care if it's Jerry West or it's not Jerry West. So, you know, the logo is whatever. I think that's kind of just like a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, somebody mentioned something. Wearing a patch. Find a patch somewhere because obviously they can put patches for all these other corporate sponsors like Wish and, and, and General Electric and corporate sponsors that I could honestly, it's part of my language, but I could give a shit about. Let's let's put a patch on the back, you know, the back neck of the jersey. This is number 24 or number 8 or, or some type of thing to honest Kobe. This is a patch on the jersey. I'm not down with, with, uh, with mass jersey retirement. I'm not down with changing the logo unless that's what the NBA already had in mind. I'm cool with putting him in the Hall of Fame right now and, you know, bypassing the usual, you know, a couple years wait or whatever it is, however many years wait it is. I like the patch on the jerseys for the rest of the season. I think that's a good idea. Snotty, what do you think before we go back to the call lines? Um, I would like to see maybe it, uh, the All-Star Game MVP name, renamed that the Kobe Bryant Award. Um. Uh, like or that. you know maybe come up with you know we have the good, we have the good citizen award or come up with uh, another award that at the end of the year you you can give to the most deserving guy who you know I, not, Kobe is, has has branded himself as the Mamba so you don't want to just make it like the Mamba award that just sounds kind of cheesy I think but something <laughs> like you know a guy who represents the spirit it's not cheesy obviously because that's what people know him as but um that represents the spirit of Kobe and you know. Something like that. Um, the Lakers, especially, maybe put a full time from now on patch on their uniforms. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not yeah. down with the change the logo thing. Um, but yeah, you know, Kobe, a, a Kobe fadeaway or an eight for uh, you know the rest of the year on everyone's uniforms, and then next, you know, moving forward, the Lakers get their, get his statue up. Obviously, like you said, maybe you know, obviously do a, a Hall, Hall of Fame presentation. Um, you know, where obviously the honor. They honor the all the lives lost there, and obviously, you know, I can. I, it's just it's heartbreaking. I, I was almost, you know, have have Vanessa, but she, she probably right now, it, or even you know, moving forward for the next year or so, doesn't want to do too much with that kind yeah, of stuff. As far as being the, in the middle of the spotlight about that, she wants to you know she needs to, she deserves to her space to grieve in peace. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, uh, it, it, but definitely, I, I don't agree with quite changing the logo or the mass uh, the mass retirement, but. You know the patch on the uniform is great, um, and, and renaming either renaming the All Star MVP award or, or, or coming up with a postseason a, a post a post year award, uh, you know about representing him. So uh, he definitely is an icon, um, and you know we we rarely lose an icon like this. So so young as far as in the NBA, and it, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. I, I didn't I didn't realize the impact he had on people and, and how emotional people would be about it. It's, to me, it's a bummer because you know sports hate is sports hate, and I hate I sports hated Kobe. I didn't hate Kobe Bryant as a person, but uh, exactly. it, was, it was fun to cheer against him. It was fun about you know debate about him and an all time list, but uh, we, no no one wanted this to happen to, to Kobe Bryant. So it's tough. No. And you mentioned something uh, snotty before we get back to the car lines about you know something that would you know that, that would honor Kobe Bryant in, in in a way that maybe he would want you know what I'm saying to be honored. I think maybe 
naming, I like the naming and award thing, in addition to maybe a patch for the rest of the year. I think the Lakers have to retire his jerseys. You know, that that's going to happen for the Lakers. Oh, they for have sure. to. Yeah, if, both if individual. Yeah, it's, it's both jerseys, 8 and 24. And I think if, if players like Spencer Dinwiddie just changed his number from 8 to something else because uh, he wanted to honor Kobe, you saw a lot of players, uh, they showed it on they showed it tonight. A lot of the players on the court tonight had, you know, the numbers 8, the number 24. I think for Kobe, I think having, an, because one of the main things Kobe advocated, having three daughters, one of the main and one of his daughters being a you know a middle school player, he coached her team. Uh, she was, I, I believe, you know what I'm saying, appearing on you know I don't I don't follow even though I coach a middle school girls basketball team myself. I don't follow you know the national you know rec, you know scouting and recruiting for uh, middle school girls players and other other teams other than my own and none of my players are you know nationally recruited by other teams whatever else it is but i think something that honors both he and his daughter i read something on social media now you could take social media for you know i read it on the internet so it must be true i don't know if it's true or not but i read a meme that said espn reported that uh when they and now this this sounds to me like it's probably not true but if it is true just the thought of it broke my heart because i have a nine-year-old son uh, that when they discovered the bodies, G- G- uh, Gianna was still in Kobe's arms. And that, to me, like I got goosebumps and, you know, the the eyes started to water a little bit. Even a, you know, big, tough guy like myself just, you know, had couldn't, you know, hold back, you know, the tears just thinking about that, imagining if – I just thought that it was, you know, they, they – they flew into some mountains through 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 the through the fog. There was dense fog that day. They flew into some mountains at 180 miles an hour. There was no time to really know what was going on before they were basically just into the mountain. But if there was, you know, even five, ten, fifteen, twenty seconds of, you know, oh shit, what's happening? And they're in that helicopter holding each other because they're scared. I can't imagine as a father knowing, you know, even imagining what that, you know, what the, those last few seconds or last few minutes would have been like had they known, if they knew, and that, there's no way to know what was happening in, in that in that helicopter in those last few minutes. But just the idea that you would be looking at your daughter as as a father, looking at your child who's obviously scared out of their, you know, their mind, and you as a parent scared out of your mind yourself, but trying to remain brave the way Kobe always remained brave, except for when he was catching that two-piece from Chris Childs, but always, you know, remain brave on the court, never back down from anybody, even as a, you know, a teenager, to, you know, to have to hold it together for your daughter so your daughter, your child didn't get more scared than they already were. And then to be found, you know, still in each other's arms. I, I, I don't know if that's true. If it is true, that's one of the most heartbreaking things that I think I could ever possibly imagine. But I think if there's an award or something like that, you know, for a postseason award, the, you know, the uh, the All-Star Game uh, MVP award is named after him, I think it should be, I think a, a Kobe and Gianna award. And that's not to disrespect the other seven people that were on that helicopter. We can't forget there were other, there were seven other people on the helicopter as well. But those seven people weren't Kobe Bryant and his daughter that, that were uh, associated with the NBA and the, and the sport of basketball to the degree of, you know, Kobe and Gianna. And I think that's what Kobe would have wanted because I think Kobe 
in his most recent years, was one of the biggest advocates for uh, girls' basketball, women's basketball. Uh, and, and, and girls' basketball, women's basketball has been, you know, derided by many, many uh, basketball fans. As our world, the WNBA, you know, they, they don't get paid as much and they should stop complaining because they don't make as much uh, revenue or they don't make as much profit. They, they still need the NBA to remain viable. The NBA has to pick up the slack because, you know, they're playing in, you know, uh, 20 thousand seat arenas to you know five thousand fans and blah 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 there's a lot of you know and that's not to say that all nba fans or all male fans say that about you know girls basketball or women's basketball but there is a you know significant faction of basketball fans that just say women's basketball i'm not watching that they have no interest you know in that stuff and i think kobe was one of those people that kind of took up for that and i think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of you know use and I don't want to, and when I say use, I don't mean exploit in any negative sense or any negative fashion, but to use the tragedy to kind of bring awareness to the fact that there is entertaining basketball being played by uh, 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 girls and, uh, and young women and old women too. I mean, some of the some of the women in the WNBA they play until they're like 40 years old. You know what I mean? Uh, that there that there is good basketball to watch, and I think that you know that that's what Kobe would probably have wanted is that there, is that whatever the you know the honor is that they that they have for him because he has all the accolades i mean he has all 18 time all-star he has i don't know how many mvps he has five championships he has all the accolades on the court as he as he possibly could want or, or, or imagine whereas Gigi was still just you know starting out her career i think that's what he would probably want is some type of awareness to 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 carry on what he was trying to uh promote you know in his you know, final years, uh, post-NBA um, career. And so so whatever it is, I think, you know, if it's going to be an award like that, I think it should be something that, you know, this, that reminds us not just of Kobe but also of Gigi and that will kind of bring together, you know, the 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 – the kind of disparate, you know, male and female basketball. Everybody knows the NBA is the superior league. I mean, objectively speaking and honestly speaking, and that's not that's no disrespect to the WNBA or to women's basketball, but I think this is an opportunity where we can kind of bridge some of that gap. It's not going to fix everything, but I think if people are, people are so concerned about Kobe, people are so touched by the death of Kobe and how much he meant to them, then they won't, you know, they won't poo-poo or they won't kind of, you know, disrespect his concern or his interest in, you know, in, in basketball for uh, women and uh, young ladies and girls the way, you know, his, his the, the, the team that he coached played, the team that Gigi played for. So something like that. But I'm all for, uh, just, to, just to sum it up to answer uh, uh, the caller from Boston's question, I think a patch on the jerseys for every single team is fine. Not really down with changing the logo unless the NBA w- had already been planning on changing the lo- logo because I think that's kind of knee-jerk. And I also love your idea, Scotty, of you know finding some type of award, whether it's the All-Star MVP or another postseason award or something like that, that honors uh, Kobe Bryant's legacy, not just on the court, but also what he did off the court. And what he did off the court was advocate for uh, young, uh, for for women's basketball, for female basketball, and uh, I think that's the, the best way to the best way to do it. Um, before we go back to the call lines, anything else you'd like to add to that, uh, Snuddy? Uh, I think I got a roll, brother. Thanks for having me on tonight. Um, oh, no out there, check me out at Snotty Dripping. But uh, great win for the Celtics. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, yeah, it's a uh, you know sad day for the NBA and for the league and for sports world general that we lost a we lost a legend. And the only way we can really keep uh, you know pay tribute to his memory is uh, enjoy the sport and enjoy that all, all these these great players honing their craft and and you know hey keep rooting for the team that you root for and you know keep a keep a healthy respect and a, a healthy sports dislike for for the other side you know. Uh, the you know, the Lakers are a historic franchise. Obviously, we respect, but obviously, you know, you got to you got to root against them. So, um, and that's the, that's the way Kobe would want it. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Couldn't have said it better myself, Snotty Jippin. Thank you so much for helping me co-host the show. I'm about to wrap it up myself, but before that, we got one more call from uh, one caller in San Diego to another caller in San Diego, going right back to the six one nine. I have an idea who this is. <laughs> This might be Sam, but if it isn't Sam, who is it? 619, you're on the air. Hey, hey yeah, this is Sam. This is Sam. Hey, now. What's um, up, Sam? It's been a long time that I've spoken to you. I've heard you on the show uh, with other hosts, but this is it's been a while since I think you've been on the on the, on the the lines with, with me. This is Nick. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I watched the game. I had a good time watching it. Um, I just wanted to make a quick comment. Um, <clears throat> Marcus Smart is my favorite player, and he has been since Rondo left. <clears throat> um, but I gotta say, I, I, I would really like to see him take less shots. Um, he, I think he's at about 11 shots a game. He's, his, his averages are back down to that, down into the into the 30s, and you know he's only taking two less shots per game than than, than Gordon is. And you know, I, I guess for me, I, I feel like we're wasting Gordon out there when either Smart or um, um, Watermaker is out there they'll tend to be running the team. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like our team would be a lot better off if, if Smart kind of reduced uh, the amount of shots he took and, and didn't run the team uh, as often. I, I don't know. Don't you see – don't you think that Hayward uh, – to, to me, Hayward in a pick and roll is automatic good offense. And, and I just feel like we're wasting him when I see him on that corner. I couldn't agree more. And I think efficiency has been an issue with Marcus Smart, and I think that kind of wild card aspect that we that we talked about early in the show, that Snotty Drippin mentioned early in the show, is that you know Marcus and I, and I truly believe he, now he's not my favorite player. I think that you've been listening to the show long enough that you've heard me evolve my my opinion on Marcus Smart evolve from you know not being much of a fan at all, although appreciating all of his hustle plays to you know to 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 becoming a fan and uh, uh i i i agree completely that i think that you know when you how many shots did he take i think he it was it was up in the teens tonight and i think he only made 3 of them so let me let me get back to the box score and i'll uh yeah 3 for 13 yeah 3 for 13 i mean and, and that's the thing. Like, if you if you try to you know put the leash on Marcus Smart and say, hey hey uh, hey hey Cobra or hey uh, yeah Cobra, let's let's not take as many shots. You may not get the production out of him, you know, offensively that you otherwise would get. But I agree with you completely. I think when he's on the court with with Gordon Hayward, I think Gordon Hayward is and is is as Good of a passer as I think Marcus Smart is, and and I think that he's 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 capable of running an offense. He's fully capable of running an NBA offense. I think there were a couple of passes tonight where he's a little bit slow, where he you know kicked the ball back out where he should have probably kicked the ball you know more you know back towards the basket instead of kicking the ball back out. I agree with you completely. You have Gordon Hayward out there who's 
probably equally as good of a passer. I think those are probably the two best passers on the team. I, I, and that's not to disrespect Kemba Walker. I think you put those three guys out there. Those are the, those are the three guys that you should always have handling the ball. The three guys that you know that you want to initiate the offense and to set up the passes. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that I think that Marcus Smart would be more efficient if you had him. You know what I'm saying? Curb some of the shooting. Keep doing all the other stuff that he does that makes him a wonderful player, which is the hustle plays. You know the steals the rebounds, taking the charges, all of those things. In addition to, you know, when he has a good shot, to take the shot, you don't want him to pass up open threes because he's capable of making them. And you don't want him to pass up open shots because he's capable of making them. But I never want to see Marcus Smart on – Maybe not never, but I really do I want to see Marcus Smart try to break down a defender on an ISO play. And I saw that a couple of times at the end of the game, and that was one of the things that Snotty and I mentioned. It just seems like at the end of Celtics games there's a recurring theme where, and it's not just Marcus, but Marcus is, is, some, is occasionally you know, one of the, the prime offenders, is that the, the Brad Stevens offense of making that extra pass kind of falls back in crunch time in the fourth quarter of close games to, uh, you know, your turn, my turn, as Snotty Drippin put it, uh, your turn, my turn, isolation basketball. And I think the Boston Celtics could do better finding, you know, running actual offense instead of just, you know, one pass possessions or no pass possessions. Just dribble, 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 I'm going to shoot, or dribble, 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 then I'm going to drive and, you know, hurl something at the basket. And I think Marcus is one of those guys that does that. Yeah, and there you go. That's what I'm talking about. The last two, three minutes especially of a game, it, I don't want to see Marcus trying to make plays. I mean, if he if if he's, if he gets a catch and shoot, um, or even if he posts up, I don't mind him in the post, but I don't want to see him try to create for himself when I've got Tatum and Hayward and Jalen and Kemba out there in the closing minutes of a game because – if he misses, the first thing I'm thinking is, why didn't one of the other guys take it? One of our better scores, one of our better high high percentage scores. Um, Gordon Hayward's shooting over 50% from the field this year. He's 10 for 14 tonight, and he got to the free throw line 10 times. I mean, he needs to have the ball as much as possible tonight. And you know that 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 thing you're talking about with with uh, with where we get stagnant, where everybody's playing for themselves. Part of that is that we have four players in the four stars in addition to Marcus who feel like they can create for themselves and they can. But I think that's where we kind of get into that problem. I think the more you give it to Gordon um, at the top of that key, uh, because of the players that are, um, that are looking to create for themselves, Gordon is the one that makes the most plays off of that pick and roll or, or, or off of, uh, off of the creation. He, he's, he's not as, um, He's not as focused on trying to score off of the ball, off of, off of when he has the ball. So that, that's just something I'd like to see. I'm really just surprised that, that Brad – I mean, Brad has to see that. I'm just surprised that Brad doesn't force that or try to implement that more. So that's that's the only thing I'd like to see because I, I don't want to see that be a problem. I don't want – I want Gordon to feel more comfortable in his role because he, he can opt out this fast this coming year and he's not comfortable with the shots he's getting or the role that he has. I just don't want him leaving. You know, that, that, that loss of Horford was, Horford was big for us. You can't lose talent because you can't replace it um, in, a, in a salary slot like that. So, um, that's, that, anyways, that was my take. So, that's all I got, though. But, uh, anyways, it's still a great win. I didn't expect that tonight. So, I'm really, I'm really thrilled with the victory on the road without Tatum. And uh, go Celtics. Brilliant stuff, Sam in San Diego. Real quick, Sam, you still there? Yeah. 
Just, just one question. What's it, what's it like down there in Southern California after the passing of Kobe Bryant? And just a couple of quick thoughts, because we, we've, we've all, everybody that's called in, and they both, you know, Snyder and I have given our thoughts about it. Uh, your thoughts on, on Kobe Bryant, and how do you think the NBA should uh, honor Kobe? He's, he's already being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we just had a discussion about, you know, how he should be honored, whether it's retiring his jersey across the league, which I don't agree with, changing the NBA logo to, uh, to Kobe Bryant, which I agree with even less um i thought maybe like a patch on the jersey for the rest of the season on all teams uh snotty dripping brought up something like maybe a, a, a postseason award or the all-star mvp being renamed in kobe's name um what's it like down there in southern california after the passing of kobe bryant can you feel it in the air down there can you do you, do you see it in the murals on the wall do you, are there people talking about it in the streets i mean out here I'm, I'm from massachusetts but i live in florida and even out here in florida it's you know, people are talking about it. Not maybe not quite as much. It's not as big of an impact. Um, what are, What are your thoughts on that? Before I let you go, real quick. Um, so we're, I'm in San Diego. So uh, I mean, there's there is a lot of Lakers fans here, um, and so so I do feel it. Um, and and uh, I will say that I'm surprised by the number of um, I'm surprised by that that the outpouring is so strong, and that he, like somebody I think somebody else said that 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 he meant so much to to people. Maybe it's because I'm a Celtics fan, so as a player, he didn't mean that much to me. Um, so, but but I can see it. I, I can see that now. I can definitely see it in players. Um, um, the, the logo thing, I mean, I, Jerry West is still alive. I've never understood why anybody – because we heard talk about having Jordan uh, having Jordan take over the logo at some point, and, and I I don't really see that as necessary. I think, I think he's being honored across – the league now, you know, and across um, the country now over the last couple of days, I think, I think that in itself is, is, uh, is the honor and, and I'm sure they'll come up with something um, to do it. You know, I respected him as a player. Um, he was a great competitor. I hated him as a Laker. <laughs> um, but, you know, you have to respect his, his work ethic and, uh, and he definitely, um, he definitely was a prototypical Laker. So he, you know, he, if, if anything, he, he provides a, uh, someone for me to hate as a player so so um you know it's it's, it's really sad that 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 happened and, and and even sadder that it was involved his daughter and those other people on the on the on the flight I mean, and it really is uh it's really uh an eye-opener for everybody you know because anybody you, you tend to think of a person like that as not real when you see that when you see that come across the screen that 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 he's that he's gone it's uh it's a bit surreal right you can't it takes you a couple minutes to process that, that actually happened and, and that that a person like that is a real person and not some um some uh, character on, on television so it's uh it was a rough couple of days for the whole nba but you know i think the, the good thing is that it's brought the nba the players and i think the fans together Absolutely. Sam in San Diego, as always, brilliant analysis, awesome poignant words there. Uh, we appreciate you calling in. Hey, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care, Sam. And with that, uh, I think we might just put a punctuation mark on this show. Once again, the Boston Celtics defeating the Miami Heat 109-101 to down in South Beach at American Airlines Arena. Um led by uh, Gordon Hayward, who had another excellent game. I was going to talk briefly about Gordon Hayward, but, I mean, it's kind of uh, uh, past that point you know, now. But Gordon Hayward has now scored in double figures in uh, his 
previous six games or his last six games and in uh, seven of his last eight games. So Garden Hayward, you know, looking at his season stats, I mean, as much as I like to say, and we've said on this show that he needs to kind of, you know, take over and be that guy, he's he kind of has, you know, been doing that in the absence of, you know, Jason Tatum, in the absence of, you know, uh, some of the injuries there. So I think Gordon Hayward's, you know, uh, been been doing a good thing. So happy to see Gordon Hayward having another good game tonight. This is his third game in a row at uh, 20 points. And like I mentioned, um, six of his, actually I should say seven of his last eight games um, in double figures. So, uh, fantastic game from the Boston Celtics again, 109 to 101. Join us again at the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post game show uh, this Thursday as the Boston Celtics take on the Golden State Warriors at TD Garden. Um, this one should be, should be is the key word, uh, a cakewalk. But you never can tell with the Boston Celtics; they're you know up and down. Um, and followed by uh, this Saturday, February 1st. Uh, taking on the Philadelphia 76ers at home. I'm looking at the schedule, just checking to see. I believe that's the last game against the 76ers. They have won the season series against the Boston Celtics, regardless of the outcome of the game on Saturday. But it would be nice to at least get one against the East Coast rivals. We know the Lakers are the West Coast rivals of the Boston, the inter interconference uh, West Coast rivals for the Boston Celtics. It would be nice. Uh, to get at least one win against Joel Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, and the Philadelphia 76ers. But before that, you could probably consider this a trap game maybe this Thursday, the next game coming up this Thursday at 8 p.m., nationally televised on TNT. No idea why TNT didn't opt out of that game because the Golden State Warriors just are not all that fun to watch. But you'll get to watch them on TNT this Thursday at 8 o'clock, which means the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post-game show will start at approximately 10.30, as soon, or as soon as the game ends. Don't know who your host will be, but if it's CLNS Media, you know the hosts will give you the best in Boston Celtics and NBA analysis. And once again, Boston Celtics winning 109-101. to 101. Rest in peace. Kobe and Gianna Bryant. CLNS Radio, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.